Do one thing every day that scares you. Eleanor Roosevelt. Welcome back to The Liz Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis. By all means, call me Liz. Today, we're going to jump right into today's episode. We're talking about pulling up the root of fear. This is going to be a two-part series, so this is part one. I love that quote that Eleanor Roosevelt said, do one thing every day that scares you. First off, that's a lot of intentionality, a lot of self-awareness, and a lot of boldness and courage and willingness. I do my best to do one thing a day that scares me. It can be really small. Sometimes doing the things my accountant needs me to do is a little overwhelming and scary to me. So it's funny the things that stress us out at the end of the day. But when you accomplish those things, technically you've done one thing that scares you. And the more you can do something that scares you, the quicker you can get out of your comfort zone and also normalize the somatic sensations of fear. Now, last week, we spoke broadly about operating out of fear or love and how God wants us to do everything in love. And that comes from 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Therefore, the Jesus way is to operate out of love. We also spoke about what words like stress, worry, and anxiety really are. Such words are the modern way of saying a person has fear. Today, we're going to discuss the spirit of fear. Originally, I didn't plan to discuss the spirit of fear in a two-part series. However, I think it's going to be the wisest way to do this. There's a lot to hash out here, and I'm really just touching on still high points, to be completely honest, because it's such a it's such a deep root. Next week, I will discuss how one may develop it, and most importantly, getting free. Additionally, I will discuss applicable ways you can live out the word of God to defeat the spirit of fear. Joshua 1.9 is one of my favorite verses. I really encourage you to bury it into your heart. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an excellent verse. It tells us that we are strong, courageous, fearless, hopeful, and optimistic because the Lord, our Heavenly Father, is always with us. God is always with you. He will never abandon nor forsake you. You know, Jesus is your best friend. So if if you don't realize Jesus is your best friend, you're really missing out on the most incredible friendship. And he's not just a friend. He's a brother. He's a master. He's, for me, he's my CEO. He's also my banker. I mean, he plays so many roles. Anywho, but nonetheless, it's powerful. However, let's be real. Sometimes it does not feel like God is with us. Remember that it is a lie from Satan himself, though. And this is why, as as a believer, we are not to be overly trusting of our somatic sensations, let alone our thoughts or feelings. This is why in the Bible it says, do not lean on your own understanding, because there needs to be a healthy amount of self-trust, because we're stupid at the end of the day. I don't mean it the blunt way I said it, but it is kind of true at the same time. Joshua 1.9 is also telling us not to run away from the enemy or the things that scare us, but to confront it. Yet sometimes we do, we do run away, right? We run away or avoid what causes us to project into the future what we do not want to happen, which then causes us to feel paralyzed by more fear. Joshua 1.9 is also telling us not to run away from the enemy or the things that scare us, but to confront them. Now, I am a firm believer that sometimes you need to do functional distraction, which means you need to take a break from the task if it brings you too much anxiety so you can get your head around it and then face it. But I only encourage you to practice functional distraction when when you have the discipline to then get it done. Because if you're just going to keep procrastinating, then you're avoiding. You're not participating in functional distraction. 
However, sometimes we do what? We run away or avoid what causes us to project into the future what we do not want to happen, which then causes us to feel paralyzed by more fear. Now, we know practicing avoidance adds more suffering onto you, and it's suffering that's in your control. So don't get mad at God when you're like, God, I'm suffering so much. Please help me because he's going to be like my child. You are doing it yourself. You have full control here. This is in your control. As I mentioned last week, there are two kinds of fear, the God-given fear and the spirit of fear. What I find interesting is this verse that we read in Hebrews 11.1. It reads, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now let me read this verse, and I want you to pay attention to the difference in the two words. Now fear is the substance of things not hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What's the difference between the two? Your thoughts. It's sometimes really difficult in my line of work to explain the abstract power of thinking. Explaining psychology sometimes is so difficult because it is so highly abstract. There's nothing you can grasp or, you know, explain through um, visuals. It's very abstract information. But when you understand that your thoughts will create your reality... And you understand how to take your thoughts captive and how to be intentional with your thinking and how to let God renew your mind and how you can also prune out those thinking traps. Your life will change. Here's the thing. Your performance will never surpass your self-image. If you don't think you can be a billionaire, then you're not going to ever be a billionaire. If you don't think you're going to be loved by God, then you're not going to be loved by God. If you don't think you can be a great CEO or a a great executive or a great disciple of Christ, then you're not. It's really that simple. Since we know our most dominant thoughts are what we will work to create, it's important to focus on what Hebrews 11.1 says and then cast down all thoughts that fall in line with the opposite of what the verse is saying in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Let me break this down a little bit further for you. Let me ask you, what is fear? How do you define fear? Many people struggle to define fear. But if we go to 2 Timothy 1.7, we are told what fear is. Fear is a spirit. It's beyond your physical sight. Even though you cannot see it, fear can talk to your spirit, which can translate into your mind. It's the enemy or principalities of darkness and planting thoughts, focusing on what you do not hope to happen. And it plays out in your mind's eye. That's why the battle's in your mind. Now, all fear comes from not trusting God and not trusting his word. And ultimately, you're trusting the devil and not God. And like, think about that. You're telling me you have more faith in the devil than in Jesus Christ? Mm, I've been there. It sucks. And I hope what I just said there just smacked you in the face with some love. You have to learn how to forget the past. You have to learn how to forget the future. You have to learn how to forgive quickly. And you have to do everything, literally everything out of love. And it's hard. This is why it's supernatural and you have to have Jesus' yoke on your neck. The list below sheds light on a few examples of what the spirit of fear looks like. This list is fear of man, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of failure, Fear of your neighbor, fear of dying, fear of tomorrow, fear of discomfort, fear of poverty. Now, by no means is this a complete list of fears. There are a lot of fears, right? There's fear of gaining weight. 
There's fear of being controlled. There's so many, so many types of fears. It's unbelievable. But fear, aka the enemy, tries to get you to agree with the imaginations in your mind's eye, which the devil has placed there, in my opinion. It's not always the devil because the devil can't be everywhere at once. However, there's, you know, Ephesians 6, 12 makes it really clear that there's principalities that are surrounding us at all times. And so they can come across and bam. And then at the same time, too, all they if, if they can just condition your mind, then they can flee from you. And, and now they have you entrapped, if that makes sense. You see, the brain does not know the difference from the past, present, and future. The brain also doesn't know the difference between make-believe and reality. This is why you have somatic sensations when you watch a scary movie. The brain does not understand that what is happening in your mind's eye is happening in your mind's eye because we respond to illusions and fantasies. Therefore, when you are projecting fear into the future, your brain responds by sending out chemical releases because it believes the fantasy is actually happening. That is also why God tells us to live for today. When you are thinking about the past and the future, you're not living in the present. And the present is where we are called to be. And it's where God is. God's also in the future, but he's, he's mainly in the, in, the, in the present with us as well. The enemy's lies cause you to feel isolated, hopeless, or distant from God. And maybe it's different for you. Maybe it makes you feel worthless. Maybe it makes you feel not good enough. Maybe it makes you feel stuck or paralyzed. Satan wants to throw you off your game by instilling doubt into your mind and then into your heart. And by the way, while we're talking about fear, I just said doubt and doubt is worse than fear in my opinion. The more I study doubt, the more I see how doubt is way worse than fear, especially if you doubt God. God says, if you doubt me, you're not going to get it. It's that simple because he wants 100% trust. Now he'll walk with you because it's him who grows your faith. You have your part. It's a covenant. There's two sides to this. But when the devil can get you to take your eyes off of Jesus, where you have safety, prosperity, abundance, life, and more, and gets you to focus only on yourself and the lie that there's nothing you can do to stop these horrible things you fear from happening to you, it's like game over. You see, the enemy places blinders on you. He will hide the truth and offer something false to you and act as if it were the real thing. And he predominantly does this through lying and perversion. If you don't know your lies or the lies that the devil tells you that you believe, I really encourage you to take the thinking trap quiz, what thinking trap is limiting your performance, because he is going to speak to you in that thinking trap type of manner. And you've got to figure out where you're most prone to. The devil's really not that creative or original. At the end of the day, he's been doing the same thing since the beginning of time. So at some point, study the devil, learn your opponent, and get ahead of it so that he cannot have power over you. And as you do this, he's going to do more things and it's going to be faster. I mean, Jesus experienced this too, so you're going to experience it as well. Unfortunate, but it's true. And the cool thing is, is Jesus already won the war. So all you have to do is learn how to win the battle, which is actually easier than you think. It just requires you being proactive and intentional. And part of that also requires you to learn how to take these blinders off and see the enemy's gimmicks. The spirit of fear comes in when we get separated from God. And it's quite easy to get separated from God, especially when you're a child, but even more so in this modern world. The modern world isn't very old in comparison to how old our brains are. So in some aspects, just walk with me here, 
we live more like cavemen in this modern world, and our brain is still trying to play catch up. It's really not that old. I mean, I think like the way we work today is only about 80 years old. It's it's still very, very new in comparison to our brains and how long they've been on planet Earth. Just think about that for a second. Now, one only needs to be slightly separated from God to open the door for the spirit of fear to come in. And when the enemy gets you thinking with those blinders, he can keep you from seeing and thinking as God does because he's trapped your thinking to only focus on the lies. In a way, this is a form of tunnel vision, which is also a thinking trap. And the more you agree with those lies and disagree with God's truth, the easier it is to take advantage of you. You have to learn how to take those blinders off and shoot up to the eagle eye view to see what is truly happening. But you also have to learn the word of God because the only way to defeat the enemy is with the word of God. Praise Jesus that he died for us to have life and that we may have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. The question is, is do you sincerely believe this in your heart? And is your definition of abundance really narrow, just meaning money? So you may be struggling with fear. What do we need to do? That's the question. Well, the first thing is to perfect your love with the Godhead, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. You have to learn how to receive God's love. It's easier to trust someone you love, I would argue, especially if you have had a hard time trusting people. We're going to park there for part one. Next week, we'll discuss the four parts of 1 John 4.18 and identify what needs to be done in order to pull up the spirit of fear to really pull up that root. I hope you got some takeaways from today. I hope you learned some things. If you found this episode to be amazing, I would really appreciate if you leave me a review on Apple or whatever platform you're listening to because it really helps my show's ranking. It helps us get the word of God out there. And if you found this to be a good episode, please send it to one person who might need it. Let's quickly go, go into prayer. And remember, I'm rooting for you. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. That's a guarantee. Let that sink in. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your son and sending Jesus to the cross so that we could have a bridge to heaven. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for growing us. Thank you for increasing our faith and helping us understand our specific will for our lives individually and collectively. Father, continue and continue blessing us and enlarging our territories and just keep your hand with us always so that it would keep us from evil. Father, we pray for our leaders of this nation and of this world. We pray that hearts are softened and spiritual eyes of understanding are open. We pray for the people that you are about to bring into the body of Christ. And we just ask that you use us and equip us. Help us to speak boldly for Jesus. Help us to be everything that you want us to be. Help us to defeat the enemy of fear. Help us to fall in love with the word of God and doing things your way so that we can quickly advance and grow and be the warrior for Christ that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.